The second reading is from Corinthians. Now I would remind you, brothers and sisters, of all the good news that I proclaim to you, which you in turn received, in which you also you stand, through which also you are being saved, if you hold firmly to the message that I proclaim to you, unless you have some unless you have come to believe in vain. For I handed on to you as of first importance what I in turn ha- received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he, raised, he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, and then to the Twelve. Then he appeared to, to more than 500 brothers and sisters at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have died. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me, for I am the least of the the apostles, unfit to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me has not been in vain. On the contrary, I work harder than any of them, though it was not I, but, but by the grace of God that is within me. Whether then it was I or they, so we proclaim, so you have come to believe. We do not live by bread alone, but, but by, by every, every word, word that God from the mouth of God. For the past several weeks, we have been immersed in St. Paul's letter to the church in Corinth. This particular congregation was filled with almost every kind of trouble imaginable, including incest, a fierce competition over whose baptism was more legitimate, and a spiritual talent show. Paul was deeply concerned for them. He spilled more ink writing to the church in Corinth than he did in any other correspondence that has been passed down to us from him. They kept losing sight of the thing that mattered most the good news of Jesus Christ. He wrote to them with one hope, to ground them in the gospel of grace. Paul knew from his own experience that moments of grace can make the difference between death and life. He was a rising star among the Pharisees before he became an apostle of Jesus Christ. If we were to choose superlatives for Paul, we might pick most ambitious, most knowledgeable, most zealous for God. He oversaw the execution of the Christian deacon Stephen. He raided the homes of suspected Christians and threw them in prison. Later in life, Paul said of himself, I advanced in Judaism beyond many among my people of the same age, for I was far more zealous for the traditions of my ancestors. He knew scripture like the back of his hand, and he applied it judiciously. His righteousness under the law was second to none. Little did Paul know at the time that his zealous path was only leading him to death. Years later, when writing to the church in Corinth, Paul compared himself to an infant who had suffered from an untimely birth. 
Last of all, as to one untimely born, the risen Christ appeared to me also. An untimely birth in Paul's day was often a death sentence. For Paul, this moment of grace and the many moments that followed it opened his eyes to his condition before God. He had been stoning the saints and imprisoning the church because his gestation in the womb of the scriptures was not yet complete. He knew the scriptures better than almost anyone, and he was blind to their testimony about Christ. He was filled with righteous zeal for God, and his lungs ached to be filled with the life-giving breath of God's Spirit. If not for the grace of Christ's appearing to him with mercy in hand, Paul would certainly have died. Moments of grace can make the difference between death and life. Paul's story reminds me of another life-changing moment of grace that I read about recently on the CBS website. Brandon Seminatory's birth was untimely the result of an emergency C-section about 12 weeks too soon. When he was born, he weighed no more than a hymnal or a large cup of coffee. While babies born at Brandon's age almost always survive, they spend the first several months of their lives in constant danger. Medical complications are always lurking in the shadows, And the possibility of developing a severe disability always looms overhead. Even when these dangers are avoided, babies like Brandon often depend on ventilators and IVs for survival in those early weeks. He spent 40 days on the neonatal intensive care unit. His primary care nurse, Vilma Wong, provided for Brandon's needs and his comforts as his frail little body finished developing. She also provided care to his worried parents who calm, by calming their fears as they sat there helplessly. By the time Brandon left her floor, he had nearly doubled in weight. Thirty years later, Brandon was reunited with Vilma Wong as he made the rounds to the preemies on the hospital in which he was born. Nurse Wong saw what most of us never have the chance to see, how the grace at work in our lives blesses others, who in turn bless many more. Moments of grace can make the difference between death and life. St. Paul knew the redeeming power of God's grace in his own life and he gave himself fully to the work of proclaiming God's redeeming grace to the world. The good news of Jesus Christ was central to his proclamation, for he handed it on to the Corinthians as of first importance. This good news has the power to make the weak and the sinful stand. Its ongoing proclamation is the means of our salvation. Through it, We come to know the message of grace that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures and that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures and that he appeared to many 
apart from the good news. We are dead in our trespasses. Grounded in the good news. We are alive in Christ. God's grace to Paul was not in vain. It transformed his life. Through grace, God brought Paul to maturity, giving him the mind of a child. Through grace, God taught him to see things as if for the first time and not to presuppose anything. Through grace, God gave him a second birth. Through grace, God rooted him firmly and also gave him the flexibility of a green, tender sapling. And through grace, God humbled him to follow the leadership of a child. St. Paul was transformed, and so was his way of living in the world. Moments of grace can make the difference between death and life. You and I judge maturity by knowledge, but God judges maturity by open-mindedness. We judge spirituality by human works, but God judges spirituality by the Spirit's work in our lives. We judge faithfulness by human tradition, but God judges faithfulness by our obedience to the gospel. Our judgments lead to burnout and death. God's judgments lead to renewal and life. Moments of grace can make the difference between death and life. As we undertake the work of the annual meeting today, I would remind you of the good news that we have received in Jesus Christ. Christ died for our sins. Christ is risen. Christ is at work among us today. As we review a year of ministry, I invite you to keep an eye out for moments of grace. What has God's grace accomplished in us and through us this past year? How might God's grace work through us in the year to come? May the Lord give us eyes to see him walking among us and fill our lungs with the life-giving spirit.